Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Ball in the Post Youth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. As always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hi. Today, we're going to talk about the Washington UFO flap of 1952. Flap as in flap? It's a flap, it's panic. Yeah. Panic flap. Panic flap, not everyone just running around flapping their arms and pretending to be UFOs. That could be a flappy UFO. <laughs> could be. I actually like this one. I think it's it's got a lot of potential to be definitely potentially real. Real. Mm. If you if you assume that UFOs are in fact alien craft, then yes, I think this is a really strong case for saying that they were visiting. Okay, doke. Well, we'll get into it in a bit. We will. Well, thanks for new returning listeners first. Let's all start with the wonderfully named Trollhaten. I think that's how you say it. Mm. It's got umlauts. Uh, I'll say it normally, Trollhattan. Mmm. Fantastic. Sweden. Yeah, yeah Telford, our hometown. Where the trolls come from. <laughs> this is where the hats come from. Yeah. So it's little floppy troll hats. Oh, yeah. That's where they're yeah. Uh. Hamburg, Germany, uh, Campinas in Brazil. <laughs> Campinas. <laughs> Peanut. Might be Campinas. It might be Campinas. Campinas. All right, okay. I think it's a silent S. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't speak Portuguese, so we apologise. <laughs> Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, uh, Frankfurt in Germany, Hobart, Australia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Madrid, Spain, Nenag in Ireland. Nenag. I don't know. Again, it's Irish. And... Yeah. Eugene, Oregon, uh, Farnbury, United Kingdom, Kapar. Where's H? Is that Hawaii? H I. Yeah. Fantastic. Kapar in Hawaii. Boardman, Oregon. New York, New City, New York, Portugal, Missouri, Perth, Australia, listening to us while they're fucking having the lockdown riots, aren't they? I know. Lockdown riots? Australia's gone nuts, you haven't said anything about it. We'll no. talk about that in a second. Okay. Ashburn, Virginia, and Guadalajara, Spain. Thank you yeah. very much, guys, yeah. Australia's fucking, they're rioting, man. It's, they? it's the Covid, the lockdowns, everything. It, Aren't they it, being quite draconian? Yeah, and they're basically saying it's going to be an economy of the vaccinated. I thought like, they were all laid back, mate. No, if you're not vaccinated... I heard that 99% of Australians were vaccinated with the first jab. Well, I don't know, but basically they're saying it's an economy of the vaccinated. And these people are like, no, it's my choice. If I want to have it, I'll have it. If I don't, I don't. That's, That's right, it to me. Yeah. You That's can't something. tell me to do that. They've been gestorm- taking motorway bridges, marching down them. Oh, right. Rioting, fighting with the police. And it's all trying to make nuts. kids get vaccinated as well. Yeah, no, no, we don't want that. And get the kid decide when they're old enough if they want it. I was really took back when I read a bit of clickbait about it, and I was just like, is this clickbait or is it, you know, is it the real, mm. real news? Yeah, yeah, but they are kicking off big time. Mm. I mean, if you're not vaccinated or not fully vaccinated, you can't go to work. You can only go out certain times of the day. You can't mm. see family members. You can all be arrested for this. Fucking hell. That's fascism. Yeah. Just sure. a bit. So I'm, I'm standing with the supporters. I'm whatever, you know. And a lot of those people would have had the virus. I've been led to believe that your antibodies are actually higher if you've had the virus than the vaccine. Mm. So you're in a better position. But that's what Joe Rogan says anyway. I was, I was talking to Watching him talk to this doctor on uh, on his show. Well, it, it does get a reason that if you've had the disease, then your body's going to be more attuned at fighting, producing the antibodies to combat it, than just a vaccine giving you a mild dose. So your body's like, oh, I know what this is, reacts to it. Mm-hmm. But if you got it fucking brand new, you know, fresh off somebody. Well, let's see. Perth in Australia, whoever's listening, give us, yeah, give us, us a message. Us a line. Send us a message and let us know what's happening because it's not even. I only know about this because I was watching. Uh, is I saw it on Twitter. We don't get a lot of like Australian news, do we? Unless no. it's only over the bushfires, isn't it? And the poor, the poor koalas. And Steve Irwin dying. Yeah, we heard about that, but that's about it. And what's that thing? Celebrities in the jungle. Oh yeah, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Yeah. I, I saw it on Twitter, but it hasn't been in the mainstream news over here at all because basically people are kicking off against the draconian government measures and the British government doesn't want that to happen over here. Well, and, and the British government probably want to come in a bit more draconian. And remember, you still have no right to protest. Mm. That's disgusting. It is. Everything this government does is disgusting, to be fair. But that's a, another rant. No, Boris's painting was wonderful. <laughs> 
I didn't see it. <laughs> oh shit, I'm joking. <laughs> it was terrible. Right, let's talk about UFOs. You know I like to talk about UFOs. I slut for aliens. 1952 was the year America caught flying saucer of fever, so when a strange rash of sightings was reported in the skies over Washington DC that summer, the press and the public demanded answers. Were these unexplained radar blips craft that in some cases outran jets? Were they part of a nuclear-armed Soviet invasion? It's a possibility. It could have been certainly Cold War paranoia was at its highest. Yeah. You know, or were they evidence of something far more mysterious? Well, between the, you know, the 50s and the sort of late 70s was a real hot spot for UFO sightings and stories, wasn't it? That's it, the 50s in particular, the 50s, it went nuts. Yeah, you had a lot of B-movies, didn't you, about it? You had the series, was it the 50s, it's Twilight Zone? Oh, good, I think it ran for a while, I yeah. can't tell you when it started, though. So You've it, had the beginnings of sci-fi, So in the, yeah, in, in the culture, it was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah. We'll talk about it in a second, 1947 is the start of the modern UFO. Roswell, wasn't it? No, Kenneth Arnold, mm. the pilot, right. uh, spotted some what he described as, this is where you get the name from, he described them, he didn't call them flying saucers, he said they moved like saucers skipping across water. Ah. Mm. And that's where you get the name flying saucer. Some journalists put that together. But then yeah. you had the Foo Fighters in the, in the war, didn't you? You did. But mm. I don't know how much that came out at the time. That's it, how much did that come out at the time? That was probably just something that grand uh, the dad taught you, told you when he would bet his time in the war, something that wasn't violent and horrifying. I got chased by this ball of light one night over Germany. Ball lightning. <laughs> See, everything's ball lightning on the planet Venus to you. Although I did give you a win today. No. You did. You see that article, Claire? Yeah. I sent her the USS New York during World War II was like, my God, what's that? It's a Japanese balloon weapon. Empire, everything we've got at it. And for hours, and then it was like, oh, it's Venus. <laughs> the Washington DC sightings of July 1952, also known as the Big Flap, hold a special place in the history of unidentified flying objects. Major American newspapers were reporting multiple credible sightings by civilian and military radar operators and pilots so many that a special intelligence unit of the US Air Force was sent in to investigate. This is actually the foundation of um, this blue book. book yeah. mm. What they find, or didn't find, along with the Air Force's official explanation, fueled some of the earliest conspiracy theories about a government plot to hide evidence of alien life. Which, of course, we all know they're doing. Yeah. Do we do that sense? <laughs> Allegedly. Oh, come on. Come on, you know it's true. Well, they've just re released those documents, so they're being a bit more transparent these days, aren't they? Yeah, but everything they release is, like, redacted. Well, the videos weren't. Well, the documents were, the videos mm. weren't. And if there's documents about it, they've been looking into it, so, you know... Well, we know they've been looking into it. Oh, they've admitted that themselves. What they won't tell us is that Eisenhower met the Nordics and the Greys in 1953 and had a secret meeting where the Nordics offered to give, say, we'll give you, like, we'll basically end disease, war and poverty on your planet if you go up your nukes. And he went, no. Hmm. And then the Greys turned up and said, we'll give you limited tech. You can back engineer it. It's still, like, 50 years ahead of where you are and we want to abduct and probe people. And he went, yeah, all right. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that. It's true, man. It's my favourite alien conspiracy it, it theory. It ties in with the, you know, the time period as well as like, you know, all, all the sightings and. Well, it might do, but need a lot more proof for that, man. <laughs> that is massive, isn't it? Mm. How would you explain the technology jumps from the fifties to now? We've spent we've spent hundreds of years trotting around on horses. The eventually internal combustion engine. It can all which... be explained. I think you're underestimating the power of man's ability to create. I do agree with that statement because, I mean, we're all in the camp that aliens didn't build the pyramids, mm -hmm. aren't we? We think that they're you know, doing our ancestors a bit of a disservice. Mm -hmm. But we went from, in 1912, a paper and string aeroplane that flew for like 12 feet or something. So in 1902, 1901 even, the Wright Brothers plane, yeah. to 68 years later, landing on the moon. 
That is a big jump. It and even now, from that, from from well, computers that were the size of this flat to my phone. But you can argue that the biggest jump was getting into the air. That took us ten thousand years. Yeah. Unless you're Icarus. As soon as you yeah, as soon as you can get into the air, then yeah, you can then. do satellites, and then when you got satellites, then you can do communication. Communication. Everyone needs a phone. <laughs> you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. I still think it's, it's a lot of leaps, man. I think that we, I think we had some maybe back stuff to back engineer, or just like a little bit of a nudge to maybe put the research in another direction. I think we had. I think oh, we met sure. them. We had the deal, and they're probing people under government uh-huh. legality. They finished all the probing. We've learned. We can only learn so much from the probing of your anuses. There. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, it all started, as I said, in 1947, when a search and rescue pilot named Kenneth Arnold reported nine saucer-like things flying like geese in a diagonal chain-like line at speeds exceeding 1,000 miles an hour near Mount Rainier in Washington State. And within weeks, flying saucer sightings have been reported in 40 other states. This is when it really blew off. So in 1952, we're still very much in the, the height of this. Yeah. I mean, Roswell was 47 as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was just before. And what it is, is, yes, I know he may well have seen a flock of geese with the sun reflecting mm-hmm. off them because of the angle he's at. They could have not looked like geese, right? Yeah. That is a strong contender for that. The main argument in his defence is like, well, he was a trained pilot and he, I think he was a wartime pilot as well. He was never search and rescue pilot. And he did the calculations like, that they're going a thousand miles an hour based on his own speed, which probably would have been a couple of hundred miles an hour. Mm. It must be some kind of pilot maths where you can figure out the speed or something roughly in your own head. But how good is his maths when well, he's a pilot? So I assume it's reasonable. Mm. Better than mine. And you're a fucking dyslexic toddler's got bad math skills than me, in all <laughs> fairness. <laughs> doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. In the name of National Security Air Force General Nathan Twining launched Project Sign, originally named Project Saucer, mm. in 1948, the first official military intelligence programme to collect information on UFO sightings. Its investigators dismissed the vast majority of as uh, hoaxes or misidentifications of known aircraft or natural phenomena, and that is probably quite accurate. Yeah. That's no cover-up. You know what the most commonly reported UFO in the sky is? A bit of sort of light, I think, just light sorcery, you know. Sort of light sorcery? Light sorcery. <laughs> oh, the light wizards are back! Yeah, <laughs> I thought we like beat them back in 76. Light, <laughs> but balls of light, you know. Cause, uh, ball lightning. No, ball lightning. <laughs> there, there's a, a UFO and, pheno- uh, you know, phenomenons group on Facebook, and sometimes people are putting up mm. little, you know, pictures of little light. Orbs. Orbs and. Well. You want to tell us the moon? It? it is. It's the moon. Genuinely, people stumbling home, pissed. Look up in the sky. Oh my God! It's a UFO. Fuck. Phone the police. Phone the police. Report your phone. It's the fucking moon. What? Yeah, moon or Venus are the most common. I think, like, we can say like ninety-seven percent. I'd go higher. Ninety-nine. Really? Okay, yeah, ninety-nine percent. I think of mis- people misidentifying stuff or secret military aircraft. Yeah, but then again. It- <laughs> Like I've said, I've always said, it only needs one of them sightings to be an alien craft yeah, yeah. or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Out of all the millions and millions of sightings, it only takes one. Yeah. So yeah. The odds have to be in favour, don't they? Well, that's it. Remember when I say secret major aircraft, I'm really willing to bet that in the 70s to 91, when they were testing the stealth bomber and that, and the mm. stealth fighter, which from the side on would have looked like a flying saucer mm. or is a big fucking delta wing thing coming at you and the, the, the flying wing which no one's really never seen uh, certainly your average american citizen in, in nevada probably has never seen something like that before mm. well i was looking up at the sky the other day and um there was well it looked like a pl- sort of like a plane but you couldn't really see the wing so it just sort of looked like a bullet it- superman <laughs> just fly it was really really high like, but I could, just couldn't see the wings and mm. I was just like that looks odd along with those chemtrails uh, did it have chemtrails coming at the back of it it had stopped 
momentarily. It, it stopped spraying at it. Yeah, it stopped spraying. <laughs> I watched it though until it started again. I was just like, here we go. Oh, is that over me? I'd better get inside. It was, it was cross hatch, not some cross hatch. I'm breathing that aluminium and barium particles. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to change my DNA. <laughs> no, I think it's to do with cooling and, and water distribution, I do. If we've got the water, we've got the power. Oh, you're going to think it's something more nefarious? No. no that's a shame. No, you know, if Bill Gates, is, because we did the one, didn't we, on uh, chemtrails, yeah. Bill Gates is openly going, yeah, I'm in for yeah, you know, yeah, geoengineering. Yeah. Don't say that they ain't already doing it. Doing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't buy it. Oh, no. I don't that's why it's all rainy over here. We've got the water under power. Has <laughs> <laughs> Telford gone declare independence? <laughs> no, 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 just, just Telford. England, you know, they're quite lush and green, aren't we? Yes, true, in like some places. Yeah. And they're satanic mills. And Satanists in the woods. <laughs> there is isn't a satanic group in the woods of Telford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Order of Nine Angels or something yeah. like that. When do they meet? I don't know. There's only, like, there's, there's they're considered one of the most dangerous satanic groups in the world. Yeah. yeah. Here in little old sleepy Shropshire. They came out of Wales in the 60s and settled in Shropshire, yeah. They're not for us to go and uh, question and... Uh... Uh, no, feature. they don't like journalists. Feature on the show. <laughs> At no. all, they? Nah. No, you don't want to go question them. You'd almost argue they're like a, um, an extremist Satanist group. Yeah. There's not many of them. Well, they is. don't know, do they? They reckon there's between like a dozen or a thousand or something, isn't there? Yeah, just think, next time you're in Brosley, <laughs> go to the butchers, he could, be a, he could be an evil Satanist. Like the hardcore Satanism, you could be into that, you know? That could be like... Virgin you're eating instead of a nice side of pork. <laughs> Who can say? It's scary though. But obviously a few cases always remain unexplained. Even like, I think you're probably playing the ballpark somewhere between 97 and 99 percent can be explained. Um, by 1952, however, the UFO investi investigation unit was called Project Blue Book. We'll do an episode on that one day. Led by Captain Edward Ruppelt at the Wright Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. Ruppelt and his team would probably have continued to investigate a couple of dozen sightings a month, if not for the April 1952 issue of Life magazine. <laughs> Just above its knockout cover shot of Marilyn Monroe ran an equally eye-catching headline. There is a case for interplanetary sources. Marilyn Monroe basically sparked off the UFO uh -huh. craze. You made UFOs sexy. <laughs> I can just imagine her doing the Mr. President dance to an alien. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be Mr. Ambassador then, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then she fucks his brains out. Yeah. <laughs> the article written with Rupert's full cooperation explained the Air Force's national security interest in UFOs and it made a convincing case Though the colourful retelling of ten unexplained UFO incidents that these unidentified objects were extraterrestrial in origin. As uh, one rocket scientist working on secret projects for the US told life, he said, I am completely convinced they have an out-of-world basis. Mm. So, you know, a little story. Here's the top ten we found. Do you know what they are? Could be a flock of geese. Could be Thragnor. We don't know. According to the Washington Post, the number of UFO sightings reported to the Air Force jumped by more than six-fold, from 23 in March 1952 to 148 in June. People seeing what they want to see, aren't they? It's not a lot, though, is it? Population of hundreds of millions. It's not. That is true. But by July, the precise conditions are in place for the wildfire of UFO mania. Widespread Cold War anxiety, mainstream press coverage of unexplained UFO incidents and a healthy dose of midsummer madness. <laughs> People go crazy in the heat. <laughs> and it's true, that is like this little perfect mixing pot. Yeah. Melting pot even. It's interesting. Was it a lot of it was mass paranoia? Maybe, I don't know. But when you got you know, radar readings and pilots... That's well, when it's interesting, That's it? when it's interesting. More than one person sighting it and else if you've got it. Got evidence on, on radar as well. Bolsters the uh, evidence, doesn't it? Well, and, and if it's on the radar and it's moving faster than anything we've got, you know, it suggests it's not ours, doesn't it? That's it, it's moving in unusual directions, going at high speeds. 
you know, that's more accurate than Kenneth Arnold doing a bit of mental maths, isn't it? Mm. What's this? It was shortly before midnight on Saturday, July 19th, 1952, air traffic controller Edward Nugent. What is it? Oh my god, it's Ted Nugent! <laughs> Washington National Airport spotted seven slow-moving objects on his radar screen far from any known civilian or military flight paths. He called over his supervisor and joked about a fleet of flying saucers. And at the time, two more air traffic controllers at National spotted a strange blue light hovering in the distance that suddenly zipped away at incredible speed. At nearby Andrews Air Force Base, radar operators were getting the same unidentified blips at three locations. Mm. Picking them up. We're getting the same unidentified blips, slow and clustered at first, then racing away at speeds exceeding 7,000 miles per oh. hour. Wow. We haven't got jets to go that fast now. No. What uh, Mac is that? Oh, God knows. Mac 4, 5, what would I just say? Mac 1's a speed of sound, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that like 600 miles Yeah, about 600 miles an hour or something like that. So it's got to be like Mac 12 on it or something. Some, yeah. Probably, yeah. At least. That would turn so it's your like jelly. It's like a boom that comes like when you when you go in Mac. Yeah. If you go in like more than that, yeah. would you hear a sonic boom? Yeah, but it would be delayed by depending on how fast you go, isn't it? I oh, think. Okay. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, you'll always hear the sonic boom because they're going to breach that sound barrier. Yeah. The um, faster they're going, you won't. You but you'll basically the faster they're going, the longer it takes for that sound for you to hear, and yeah. of course you're away from it as well. Depends on the distance, but you could hear the boom, and then the jet, but the jet could be long gone. Yeah, and you can see why there's only a so so many sightings. If they're that bloody fast, you know, you blink and you've missed it, haven't you? Of course, yeah, absolutely. And you think, then you left wondering, do I see anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched this one video allegedly a UFO, and it was like, they were doing some kind of, I don't know, corporate things, they are flying a drone over some mountains in America, some hills. Just this white blur, just sort of go across the screen. They slow it down, it, it, it must be going about like 7,000 miles an hour or something. I, don't know, I can't remember, they worked out how fast it was going. You just see this like, cylinder things shoot across. Incredible speed caught by this drone, it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's definitely not natural. Yeah. So, it's weird, isn't it? It is. I mean, there's more cameras than ever nowadays, mm. and they're of increasing quality. Eventually, something's going to get caught that's actually really credible. Mm. Well, like the stuff that the Pentagon have released, the Tic Tac UFO. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's you know, Those are like ultra HD gun cameras. They're sweet. They're better than my phone. And that's what most people... That's the thing. Everyone carries around a bloody phone in their pocket. And as soon as they see something weird that looks like legit, well, how drives are all fucking blurry now? Is that some kind of self-defence mechanism? In the phone? No, from the, from the ship. The aliens are blocking the... Uh, the they're making the light, distorting yeah. the light or something like that. I don't know about that. Maybe. Well, they'd have some sort of cloaking device, surely. Yeah, that's what I mean, like a, a bit of a semi-cloaking device. And again, how good your phones are. I mean, you try and record something in the sky at night or something, it's... Oh, it's terrible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can't really get that good a picture, can you? No. No. Try and take a picture, like a, you know, a nice, really moonlit light, and you think, oh, wow, you know, because it's quite spectacular, but try and take a picture of it. Unless nah. you've got one of them real posh cameras, yeah. you know. Yeah. No chance. Looking out of his tower window, one Andrews controller saw what he described as an orange ball of fire trailing a trail. Well, that could be a comet or something, couldn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A commercial pilot cruising over the Virginia and Washington DC area reported six streaking bright lights like falling stars without tails. Okay. No tails on them. Hmm. When radar operators at National watched the objects buzz past the White House and Capitol building, the UFO joke stopped. Two F-94 interceptor jets were scrambled, but each time they approached the locations appearing on the radar screens, the mysterious blips would disappear, and by the dawn of the 20th of July, the objects were gone. You know the Welsh Roswell, wasn't there? Mm orange balls of fire mm -hmm. and blue, like, sort of like what, orange and blue lights. Yes, they were, they were described as like four, like, 
Yes, like bright orange light streak into the sky, yeah. Yes, and, and streaking a little bit, wasn't it? So that sort of ties in with that as well. Yeah, maybe it's the same uh, same model of ship. Mm. It's like the Ford Mondeo of, of <laughs> line sources, everyone's got one. But nobody bothered to tell Rulpunt, who was the UF Air Force's lead Project Blue Book investigator, about the sightings he found out a few days later when he flew into Washington DC and read some newspapers. Um, <laughs> Rupert tried to get out to National Andrews to interview radar operators and air traffic controllers, but was denied a government-issued car or even cab fare. <laughs> Pay for it yourself, you cheap bastard! <laughs> Frustrated, he flew back to Ohio with nothing. You give up? Yeah, just went, oh well. You're not going to pay me car, fuck you. Yeah, I'll just jump back on the plane and go back Jesus to Ohio. Christ, Christ, that's not very professional, is it? No, it's not. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> the very next Saturday, the UFOs were back over the nation's capital. Again, Rappelt found out through a phone call from a reporter and immediately called on two Air Force colleagues to check out the situation at National. The same radar blips were back and radar operators wondered out loud if the dozen or so objects on their screens couldn't be caused by a temperature inversion, a common phenomenon in DC's hot, muggy summer months. This is the government explanation. Okay. A temperature inversion occurs when a layer of warm air forms in the low atmosphere, trapping cooler air beneath. Radar signals can bounce off this layer at shallow angles and mistakenly show near-ground objects as appearing in the sky. Fat and Morgana. I beg your pardon? Are <laughs> you having a stroke? That's what they call it, isn't it? You know, we saw the cities in the sky and the boat in the sky and all that shit. Right. I think it's called a Fat and Magana or something like that. Right. Do you remember when all them cities were cropping up? That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually just slightly believe in the theory that when they turned on the Large Hadron Collider, we ended up jumping into a parallel universe. Maybe. I'm a bit of a fan of that theory. Because <laughs> things did take a notable dive after that. What year was that when they turned that on? Something like 2012? Yeah, I think it was going to shit before then. <laughs> 2001, it all went to shit, didn't it? Well, technically, it went, all went to shit in, in 1980 when Ronald Reagan and Thatcher got into power. Ronald Reagan, that lovable Hollywood <laughs> film star? Who can you say that about him? I would argue shit went downhill from then. Because our wages have never been better since then. Well, trickle down, trickle up now, innit? Was was trickle up, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, still. Well, they were down the large Adron Clyde in the eighties, so is that your opinion anyway? <laughs> to be safe, two more F ninety four jets were scrambled to chase down the unidentified targets appearing on radar screens at both National and Andrews, and a game of high speed whack a mole ensured, where the, the jets would race to a location targeted by radar, only for the blips to vanish. Finally, one of the jet pilots caught sight of a bright light in the distance and gave chase. To quote the pilot, he said, uh, I tried to make contact with the bogies below 1,000 feet. I saw several bright lights and I was at maximum speed, but even then I had no closing speed. I ceased chasing them because I saw no chance of overtaking them. <sighs> so now you've got visual confirmation. Yeah. To avert mass panic. Weather inversion, temperature inversion. Because, I mean, the next day newspaper headlines across America are like, saucers swarm over capital, jets chase DC sky ghosts. Oh, yeah. That's pretty mental, metal. Hardly swarm, is it? There were six of them. It's, it's American airspace, it's the White House, it's the Senate building, yeah. it's the Capitol. And you've never heard of papers sensationalising stories. Yeah. <laughs> that never happened. No, <laughs> that never happened. Press had never sensationalised anything to sell more copies. No, 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 no. The publicity and public panic over the sightings was so great that President Harry Truman himself asked aides to get answers. When they called Ruppelt, he said it could have been a temperature inversion, but more investigation was needed to fully explain both radar images and credible eyewitness accounts. Before such an in-depth investigation could take place, the Air Force held a press conference. The longest such news event since World War II for them. Right. 
the Air Force brass had decided, without consulting Ruppelt or the Project Blue Book team, that the best response to the sightings was to feed the press and the public an easy-to-swallow explanation. Dodging specific questions about what pilots and radar operators had seen in the skies over the capital, Major General John Sanford came back again and again to the temperature inversion theory, even though Ruppelt himself had come to the opposite conclusion. Oh. It seems a bit too much of like a cover-up to me. Mm. You're starting, starting to smell that cover-up. You smell that? Mm. Mm, it smells like bullshit, it smells fishy. <laughs> fishy smelling bullshit. <laughs> The investigators had ruled out the inversion theory, says Alejandro Rojas, which is a fucking badass name, editor of the UFO news site Open Minds. They had examined the situation and the radar operator said, inversions happen, we know what inversions look like, and this isn't an inversion. Okay. It's not the same thing. Mm. And I guess if you're a radar operator in the Washington DC area, and it's, it's built on a swamp, isn't it, Washington, yeah. so it's quite a muggy place and you get these inversions, you're going to know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine so, yeah, that they're trained and they're experienced. <clears throat> and these blips are moving so fast, you know. That's it. Right, so it's picking up, like, low, it's picking up ground-based stuff and stuff in the air, but they're still going 7,000 miles an hour, so how can it be now? Yeah. Mm. To Ruppelt's disappointment, the Air Force's press conference worked exactly as planned. The papers reported the temperature inversion story and the public largely seemed to accept it because boomers will believe anything the government tells them. <laughs> now, actually, in all fairness, I mean, this is the, the greatest generation as well. It's what it is, isn't it? It's the, uh, the World War II generation. Boomers are kids at this point. You know, I suppose they would have had more trust in the government, wouldn't they? This is the thing, we've lost trust as time goes on. The <laughs> governments have always been crooked, but yeah. people used to trust them more. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. So in 1952, you've just come back from smacking Hitler's arse and beating the Japanese, yeah. and you're like, oh, this country's the greatest in the world, damn it. Why, why would the government lie to me? Well, because... Because government's lie, but you... Yeah, the governments have also got a monopoly on their propaganda. Haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, they learn from the best. All those days, Nazis coming over has got a project paperclip. In them days, the only way to get other ideas out there was either to write a book, put hopefully it gets published. Yeah. yeah, or put up a poster. Public speaking. Leaflets, public speaking. But. Hope someone interviews you. Cinemas were coming about as well, weren't they? Oh, yeah, you had yeah, cinemas. Yeah, they, yeah. But that's where people watch the news in cinemas. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. They had newsreels, didn't they? Mm. You showed them before the film? Yeah, but again, that's all propaganda, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So they weren't exposed to different ideas. And they basically, of course, in the 50s, there was the Red Scare, so <laughs> anybody that wasn't centre or, or on the right, you were demonised. You were communist, destroyed, yeah. socialist. Mm literally purged them. Depends who, I don't know how free the American press was in 1952 though. But bear in mind, you know, wartime they always censor it heavily, don't they? Can't let too much bad news in one day kind of thing, if things have gone bad. But I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how free it is in 1952 admittedly. Mm. Yeah. Because as you say, the mark of a free press is they criticise the government. Well now, the, uh, the Washington Post owned by Bezos, isn't it? Oh, I don't know, probably he's yeah. been buying everything and else. And he's done a deal with the CIA. What? The CIA basically and the Washington Post now. That's conflict of interest <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll look into that actually. Yeah, like a 600 million dollar deal or something. Well, the CIA paying people, ta paying Bezos taxpayers money to own his paper. But he did take William Shatner into space. In the cock rocket. In the cock rocket. <laughs> what better ship for Kirk to be in? My, my uh, ten-year-old said to me, that looks like a penis, when he saw it on the news. And I was like, yes, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we refer to it as the cock rocket. <laughs> <laughs> he was quite unclassy about it, Bezos. Did you see, yeah. the, did you see the footage of when they, they touched out? No, they all got in. Like, like, apparently, it was the Shatner was really emotional. He was he's ninety year old man. He's just going into space. He got a smile from ear to ear. Yeah, but he was he was also quite emotional. He said something like, "You look to your left," 
and you've got life and harmony to it. Was, everything's there. Mm. And you look to your left and there's just nothing. It's mm. death. It's the void. Mm. He goes, he was really humbled by it. And Bezos just cut him off. It was like, champagne, get some champagne over here. Spray it on him. He started him. spraying it on his little, his underlings. And Shatner was just like, had to turn away because he's been cut off really, yeah. really rudely when he was given this really heartfelt, emotional little speech. But I'm glad he got to go. Even if Bezos did it, I'm still glad Captain Kirk's finally been to They got Picard on there. I did see a, a, a meme and he was holding a Picard. William Shatner with the words, up yours, Picard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though we all know Picard's a superior yeah, captain. Of course. Yeah. He's not, just, he's not a lech for a star. That's true. <laughs> Kirk, in, Kirk was around now. He'd have been kicked out of Starfleet and probably arrested yeah. on rape charges. You know full well he'd have Harvey Weinstein fucking officer interviews. <laughs> yeah. An attractive female Starfleet officer and Kirk's like an album where he's like, right, so you want to be captain, do you? I want to take off that uniform. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you want to be captain? <laughs> I'm being really unfair to James T. Kirk there, actually. No, you're not. He, he is a womanizer. He's, he's, he's an intergalactic womanizer. That's a better way to describe it. An intergalactic womanizer. And it was all consensual with Kirk, let's face it. You know? I'm being unfair to him for comedy value. Yeah, I'd still rather be with Picard. I've more chance of survival. You, yeah, that's it. If you're going out there and like a, on a mission to explore space and that, then I want to come home again. <laughs> and I think I've got more chance of doing that with Picard in charge. And Kirk is like. See them Klingons? We're going to go fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> and flies the Enterprise just straight into a fleet of Klingon warbirds. Yeah, I think it depends on, on, on my age. At 18, maybe I would have gone with Kirk. Yeah. I can see where Why you're coming ship? from. But now I can't be bothered. I just want to sit and have a... Just want to do your engineering and... Have a drink with Picard at night and just talk about, you know, put the world to Play right. Play chess with him and... Have some intellectual. Are you drinking Picard's own wine in that scenario? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you drink wine, I don't know. But I'll, you go, I'll go on a big fucking biff, don't I? Don't <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to smoke weed in Starfleet, Mike. <laughs> oh, go but in this scenario, in all fairness, where you're sat there with Picard you know, yeah. drinking tea or sipping his own wine, you're an officer at that point, so you're, you're a successful person. You're Riker in this scenario. Yeah. I'm sure they're allowed to smoke if if they they just don't recreation in it. It's yeah, all right. they just don't because I, I think it, on the on the ser- all the series is it's it's been sort of stomped out, hasn't it? So in in that sort of scenario, you wouldn't really know what a smoke. Well, Star Trek's was. a family show, isn't it? Yeah, I've got to have. People smoking weed. <laughs> Riker doing his traditional his, his patented Riker sit move, uh-huh. and then. Um, like, just sparking up a joint of Picard. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> I'm a scene number two, I am quite pleased. And let's face it, <laughs> they would have found some proper good drugs out there. Alien drugs. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, if you're with Kirk, you're going to be the bad bastard that tries it for the first time. <laughs> but Picard... You know, it's been tried, tested, he's got the right dose. It's family approved. Yeah. <laughs> With Kirk, it's more mild frontier, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Kirk's a bit more like custard. You probably slip it in your drink. He's going to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and you're on duty in the middle of a bar, you're like chopping your balls off. You know? <laughs> and so, Martin, fire the photon torpedo to your stairs, pass it out. <laughs> God, it's a cerebral palsy stage. <laughs> Have you seen the show Lower Decks? Yeah. That's really good. It's a cartoon. It. But it's it's in the Star Wars universe. It's all the series. In yeah. many ways, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's serious. It's Star Wars. It's still like a comedy element too, but it's not Star the officers. Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> it's not the officers. It's the people who actually like work on the ships. So you've got the four main characters like, One's a cleaner and sort of does the bins and stuff, doesn't he? There's two who do shit jobs. Like they're just like basic like maintenance grunts who hump stuff around and everything. And then you've got like a trainee doctor and a trainee engineer, but they just do all the shitty jobs in the mm. in the bowels of the ship. But all the officers like have this have this privileged life. One of the the head of security dies at the end of season one, doesn't he? In the, in the battle. And Riker turns up as well, it's a spoiler alert. <laughs> and he comes back in season two, and they're like, you know, he's back. And they're like, yeah, you know, Bridge Crew don't die. 
<laughs> he always come back and he's like, you sure? He's fucking dead, he saved my life. And he finally kicks up the courage to ask him and he goes, I can tell you, but it'll blow your mind. And he starts going, oh, well, we're placed in the boat in the Bajani regeneration triangle and all this. And he starts, this mad occult shit and the kid's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say a word to anyone for ages. It's funny, it's good. In his 1956 book, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, Ruppelt reports that after the press conference, UFO sightings dropped from 50 a day to just 10. I'm assuming that's on average. Okay. Skeptics, however, weren't satisfied with the Pat government response. Many accused Air Force and Project Blue Book investigators of devious behaviour and secret knowledge. That's sweet, sweet secret knowledge. <laughs> it wasn't until Project Blue Book documents were made public in 1985 that UFO sleuths could see that the closest thing to a government cover-up of UFO sightings in the nation's capital was actually a conspiracy of ignorance. Dun, dun, da. And the Washington UFO flat perfectly illustrates the real government cover-up, says Nick Pope, a UFO journalist who used to run the UFO investigations unit for the British Ministry of Defence and is now basically a UFO man for hire, living it up in the States. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I like Nick Pope. I like Nick Pope. I, I'm just slightly jealous of his lifestyle <laughs> now where he just gets to sit around and talk about... I'm jealous of his former job, right? Because yeah. that that's my job. I want that job. Mm -hmm. And they don't do it anymore. And he was the last one. How do you know? Well, what do you mean they don't do it anymore? Allegedly, they closed the office. He was the last guy to run it. Mm. Looking into UFOs, the British government. We yeah. don't do it now. So he just sacked it off? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a threat, they said. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Unidentified aircraft in your airspace. airspace, airspace. Yeah. I'd say that was a threat, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes, very much so. Because <laughs> they could be anything. Yeah. They, they know something we don't then. They know that we, they've done all their probing and... Are we talking about the aliens probing here? Or yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they know more than we well, know. They probably do know it's a threat, but... They're just saying that to us to save money, and the government don't want to spend the money on it. Or we're in cahoots with them and have been since the 50s. Yeah, or they're still doing it on the sly, which wouldn't surprise me as well. They wouldn't just not investigate these things. No, you know? that's what no. I can't believe I that. I think they did it on the sly. Well, they probably do, but certainly... So you can still go for that job, Ben, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, but now I've got to go through some kind of Will Smith Men in Black kind of initiation yeah. where I'm going to end up chasing down an alien, rugby tackling it. And then Tommy Lee Jones is going to rock up and offer me an interview. I'm going to go and, you know, try out. That's where we're going with that scenario. And then I couldn't come on podcast because I wouldn't be... Re you, you guys think I was dead. They'd probably recruit from MI5 or something. No, they'd come and flash us, wouldn't they? In the oh, face yeah. And we'd forget all about you. Yeah. And then, you, and then and be you'd, like, you'd, you'd didn't see, we used to have three of us? walking down the street and you'd just be like, oh, there's my friends. Yeah, they wouldn't recruit from the normal population. Uh, they recruit from the MI5 and Mike. I'm just rugby tackled and choked out an alien. Uh, yeah, but that's just bollocks. That just... qualifies me. A dangerous alien at that. That well, you qualifies be, you. You must be putting some putting some time in rugby tackling aliens. <laughs> and, you know. Just saying that's that's proving the, yourself. Realistically, that's the only way I'm going to get into this. But it is my dream job. And I'm very jealous of his future, his career now, where he just lives in America doing the UFO scene and all the History Channel UFO shows. He's pretty much, well, he's, he's literally an expert, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's a go-to, isn't he? Yeah. And why hasn't he been killed off then? Surely he knows too much, no? He never really says what he knows. And remember that he has, he has this very clever way of making out he knows more, but he never says it. Although he does see, you remember the photo we talked about of the big diamond-shaped craft and there was the two Harrier jump jets that Scottish Walker had taken it? Yeah. He says, that's like, that's a smoking gun. And he mm. fully admits to that one, but obviously because they can't find the copies or the original negatives. It's just hearsay, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he says that it's not a situation where the authorities conspired to keep some terrible truth about the UFOs from the people, but rather the government doing its best to keep people from realising that they actually didn't have all the answers. Mm. In other words, we haven't got a fucking clue, but we can't be seen to look stupid, so here's this weather inversion Makes theory. Sense, doesn't it? Yeah? Can't come out to public and say, we don't know what this is. Especially in the height of the, in the 50s, when yeah. the Red Menace is 
buzzing over the horizon. That is the tail of the uh, Washington UFO flap. Well, coming out and saying you don't know what it is is sometimes worse than actually just going, yeah, it's aliens, because you, you, well, yeah. you can cause more of a panic. People want to trust the government, don't they? And the government wants to be trusted by the people. So if you come out and say, you know, they did back then anyway. Times were different back then. I'm not sure I ever want to trust our government now. No, no, they wouldn't now. They're all corrupt pieces of shit. Yeah. But it's 1952. As we said earlier, you've got the great World War II generation of back over. Yeah, yeah. They were more inclined to trust. More inclined to trust. So the government, and of course, they're worried about the communists. You know, it's a worry in the back of some people's minds, and all of a sudden you've got these things buzzing over, and, we don't know. and your government comes out and goes, we don't know. They go, well, what if they're Russian? They could be Russian. We don't know they're not Russian. They could oh. be planning to bomb us. I was expecting to see that famous photo of... you got the, the seven... I don't know what they're on your about. Seven glowing balls yeah. of light coming over the Capitol building. Is that not the same time? That's something different. No, that's true. Yeah, that's one. Oh, is that the 52 thing? Yeah. It? Okay. There was just no photo in the article, I thought that was what... That what I worry about them. Yeah, I know, the pho- there is photographic evidence yeah. in these too, yeah. Yeah. So we've got photographic evidence. Mm-hmm. We've got eyewitness accounts from pilots. Pilots, yeah. Military pilots, civilian pilots, radar operators. And, the and, and people on the ground, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it seems quite compelling, doesn't it? It does. Mm. I think this is, uh, and because of the, the time and the, the plausible explanation, which is, it is a plausible explanation. This is a phenomenon that happens, but I also, you should, the government would be like, well, shouldn't our radar operators know the difference between that and this? Yeah. As we said, training, experience. Yeah. Someone in that, in that room is going to know the signs of a temperature inversion reading on your radar. Yeah, I'm going with the radar operators. I'm going what they say, because they're the experts on it, aren't they? Yeah. They see it all the time, and they're saying this isn't that. But the US government also know that the Joe public... Oh, yeah, they're going to... quite gullible anyway. They're going to... Yeah, and they're going to latch on to the best non-UFO explanation, aren't they? And stick Mm -hmm. with that. Exactly. I think... uh, there might be something into this. Yeah. Now, obviously, the, 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 then the base is, is, is it alien craft or is it something else? Ball lightning. <laughs> yes, ball lightning, Mike. It's just lots and lots of the rarest phenomena known to man in nature. It's lots of that all at once. Reflecting off the swamp gas, there we go. <laughs> Maybe at 7,000 miles an hour. In the direction that ball lightning wouldn't hey, go. Hey, lightning's fast. Yeah, but it doesn't go sideways, doesn't it? Doesn't it just come down, ball lightning? It just know. travels across. Did yeah, people have actually actually come in through people's windows and it's been recorded into people's homes and just mm. sort of floated there. Cool. Yeah, there's a, there was a good one quite recently of it crossing train tracks and it was just this ball of light just mm. going across and it just went into the woods on the other side. Hmm. That's ball lightning, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's lots of ball lightning. I, no, I'm I, on the fence. Oh, God, that fence is going to break one day, uh, you know. You're going to have to come off it. You're going to sit there forever. Yeah, but, you know, I'm more inclined to think that it was UFOs. Well, it is not a, 100%. It is saying. a UFO. It's not idea. Well, yeah. Rather than the temperature inversion. Yeah, so it's you're going for it. It is, it's not the temperature. You're disagreeing with the government. Of course. <laughs> so you're off the fence. Yeah, but I, I'm not off the fence when it's alien. It might yeah. not be aliens. I don't know. I'm not 100%. It's not the technology we've got, so I'm saying it's aliens. I like having Claire. <sighs> it's not technology we've got. We can't even go that fast. Mm, that's it. And your pilots trying to chase it. I had a look at the planes they were flying. They're early jets. They're still doing the sort of a 600, 800 mile an hour mark. Yeah. I'm not completely on the fence, just got one hand on it. <laughs> you sank it on, not leaning off, but yeah. you holding on. <laughs> Your arse got splinters now, has it? <laughs> it's definitely, I think, one of the best UFO sightings in terms of credibility. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the earlier ones were, actually. I think they've got a bit more outlandish as, as sci-fi's got weirder. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and hoaxes. People have, have put like you know done more hoaxes, haven't they? Oh, there's like, so like many. Like these monolith things. Where where did they go? They were all the rage, you know, with all, with the aliens and all yeah, that. That was all locked down, and then it just it's gone. So isn't a it? lot of the um, what do you call it? The crop thing, crop circles. Yeah, that was all faked, wasn't it? Or certainly the majority of it was probably faked. Some like it's been for farmers who did it themselves to get a bit of a. I thought it was an artistic thing as well. There is a really weird one where it was done in like um, a binary thing, and I will fucking read more about that. It might be a, an anthology of the strange episode. There's, there's one that was really weird, and it was like a binary message, but you know, you never know the expertise of some people, do you? No. Fucked up facts. Fucked up facts. Fucked, yeah. Jingle, please. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 facts. Thank you. American baseball player Rube Waddle or Waddell. 18, could, could be Waddell. 1876 to 1914. Was so fond of puppies that fans of the opposing team would bring their dogs to games and hold them up. Oh. Waddell would run over to play with him instead of focusing on the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where his manager needs to step in yeah. and say, like, look, I know you love dogs mm. and. If you just stay in place, I'll have a whole dressing room full of dogs for you. That's it. If you win the game, I'll give you a room full of puppies. Yeah. Don't run off to the crowd. Oh, I'm surprised they let them in, really. I mean, I'm shitting everywhere. Yeah, well, this Surely. is... Like, 1890, probably. Mm. Streets are full of shit anyway, aren't they? <laughs> place stinks. Mm. It's only going to be an arena then as well. It might have just been like a, a bit of shelter and the, and the pitch, maybe a bank to stand on. Mm. I don't think it would have been all seated. And... I fucking hate baseball anyway. Mm. Boring ass game. In 1903, the San Francisco Examiner, this is a newspaper I imagine, reported the story of a woman who, before visiting a neighbour, put her baby's crib in front of the telephone. Right. Took off the receiver mm -hmm. and told the operator to call up at the neighbours should the baby begin to cry. <laughs> I guess she's paying the bill. <laughs> great parenting there. It is great parenting. Just take the baby. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, because it used to go through to the operator and then they'd uh, put you through to mm. whoever, wouldn't they? I, I missed that in a way. I never experienced it, but it's like, operator, you, um, Telford, 739. They go, one moment, please. And put the thing in. I love that. It's a shame the technology's moved on now. You could listen to people's conversations and all sorts, yeah, couldn't yeah. you? Not that that doesn't happen now anyway. Yeah. MTV's show, 16 and Pregnant. Yeah. I never watched that. it. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it, yeah. Caused a 4.3% reduction in teen births in the US. Well, that can only be good. That's it's a good thing. Something good came out of it. Yeah, because the rest of it was shat. <laughs> I think it's one of them... Because MTV made that inexplicable decision to just stop showing music videos. And that okay. was one of the shows they went with. No way. Mm. Didn't one born every minute? I should imagine America's got one sort of the same or copied the same format as one born every minute. Didn't that come out around the same time as well? Uh, that I don't know. I never watched that'll one born every minute. That'll put you off. I never, I never watched that either, so it's... Well, it just showed you loads of ladies just giving, giving birth. birth and stuff, yeah, and what Great. they had to go through. Who's watching the... that? It's huge. Millions of people in this country oh, watched it. I want to see someone giving birth. I mean, oh, in my have, leisure time. They have the stories and that, like, oh, they met at this age and dug, well, I couldn't dug, give two and... shits for the Dave and Debbie met in the fucking dog and duck. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he knocked her up one magical night behind Iceland when she was bent over a wheelie bin. I don't care about they that. And then I have to watch a fucking vag on telly pushing a kid out. No, I don't want to I'm not interested in that. Oh, no. I just can't invent in words. <laughs> I would go to my own eyes out and drip lemon juice in the sockets. Well, I think an episode of, uh, yeah, 16 and Pregnant and uh, an episode of uh, One Born Every Minute for all the, you know... Kids in year, yeah, year seven would off. be great, yeah. yeah. You might have a point with that, actually, yeah, because I mean, that's, my thing is, I just want to watch it in my leisure time. <laughs> the only birth I want to see is the birth of my children, anyone else's. Yeah. <laughs> what if I get really invested in it? I'm like, oh no, 
I want to go meet that baby. Well, I want to steal the baby. <laughs> the meat baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to steal a baby. <laughs> that baby will be mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Okay. <laughs> Eight out of ten of all the languages humans have ever spoken are now extinct. Mm. I can believe that. Yeah, there's a lot of different dialects to all different languages, wasn't there? Mm. And some we made up. Esperanto. That's mm. true. In Latin, it's all the tribal languages and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. If you think yeah. they're like... Oh, let's see. They get wiped out, don't they? Yeah, wiped out by the tribes. And yeah. I guess they all have their own language, don't they? Yeah, that's true, and of course, Latin's dead, that's the most famous one, isn't it? There's only paedophiles speak Latin now. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> yeah, well, they're all priests, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> I thought you meant Tory MPs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, I think they speak Latin as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's true, yeah, yeah. Why do they call them public schools when they're clearly not? They're private schools, aren't they? They call ETA public schools, aren't they? Is well, it right? is open to the general public. You've just got to have loads of money to get in. Yeah. They do accept some poor people now and again as well, I remember. Yeah, occasionally. Scholarships or something, but not many. No. You can talk, you grammar school boy. <laughs> you old Nova Portion. You, you're part of the old school tie network yourself. Yeah. Surprised you're not working in a bank fucking over the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Selling guns to the Saudis or something? No, I rejected them and they rejected me, Ben. <laughs> you fucking idiot, you could be a millionaire now. Don't belong in that class, mate. You could be a millionaire now. They didn't. They don't want me, I don't want them. It's fine by me. You could have been selling Marlboros to the Africans. <laughs> Making a mint. But now, you sign a flat with us doing a podcast. <laughs> We could have leached off your fame and with mm-hmm. success, got a joke. Like the, you could have been like the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I've had to sell me solo, mate. I'm doing that. It doesn't exist! <laughs> Why could I didn't you? Well, that's on a <laughs> metaphysical level, yeah. Two reasons. <laughs> you could have given us jobs. You could have all been doing the old throat thing. Tapping the chest. Making noises like mm. a... And you, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street style. You could have been selling fucking penny shares and taking 50% of the commission. But here we are. Sat in a flat. Sat in a flat in virtual poverty. Yeah. Does anyone know what the um, centre of the galaxy tastes of? Maltesers. It's chocolate. Mm. Oh, it depends what filling you've got in your galaxy, doesn't it? Caramel. There's a, there's a pretty fruit and nut one. I don't know. No, the centre of the galaxy. Oh, I think there was a chocolate bar. <laughs> There's a black hole in the centre of the galaxy. It's a supermassive black hole, so what's it taste like? I don't know. No, Nothing. One, can, no one can ever tell you that. No well, one's got the know. How do they know? I don't know how they know. Go on then, what's it taste like? Raspberries. Raspberries. Apparently. So supermassive black holes taste like raspberries. It's important information to remember that if you are getting sucked into a supermassive black hole and you don't like the taste of raspberries, then keep your helmet on. Hmm. Or swig from your piss bag, whatever, you go into a supermassive black hole, do what the fuck you want. Swigging from your piss bag. Whatever, take the taste at your mouth. You wouldn't be able to taste because if you were in space, you'd be frozen and then you'd taste buds of freeze and your tongue would just drop off if you might taste it for like a split second well either way before you do your so before you do your arnie best arnie on mars impression you taste raspberries for a split second you'd have enough time to go ooh raspberry and then your head would explode pretty much interesting not worth it why would you be like trying to eat a supermassive black hole? <laughs> I don't even get going near one. You get sucked into the dimension. Everyone, you come back. Everyone's a chimp <laughs> or an ape. So there's not be grillerist. I don't think there's any coming back from black holes because it, it would crush you, wouldn't it? Depends if it sucks you through. Spaghettifies you, doesn't it? Yeah, but what if you it strings out your atoms into a separate atom and sucks it into the black hole? Mm. That would be sweet though, wouldn't it, to watch your legs go? <laughs> like you see them really stretch uh, and, then break, and then break down to the 
molecular level. Think it'd be painful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're being ripped apart by a molecule. It's yeah. only a molecule at a time, you know. What's a molecule? I don't know. Well, I know what a molecule <laughs> is, but, you know, surely just losing one or two and then, you know, it's not going to be painful. Yeah, but they don't know what happens on the other side. Yeah, you might get reassembled, Chateau. Into a different universe. Come back to everywhere. I'd say come back to Earth. Everyone's a grown-up. Yeah, that's what we should be looking at, isn't it? Going into a black hole. Oh, right, you first. Tell us what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll come after you. <laughs> well, can't they send, like, probes in, no? Yeah, but... You're going to get information back, haven't yeah, you? Yes, information, everything, including light, and everything gets sucked into a black hole and can't escape. They can't fish it back out with a rod. <laughs> and a of, put on a bit of string and pull it back. Yeah, <laughs> Unspaghettify. It's not sea fishing. <laughs> Throw another probe in. Yeah, there's just no way we know we'd be able to know, is there? No. You yourself, but you won't be able to tell us about it. You'd have to keep jumping through the same a different black hole until you eventually got shat out into the reality you came from. And black holes are huge, aren't they? You know. Yeah, yeah. We need a long piece of uh, twine there. <laughs> you would need a long piece of twine, yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah. We should start preparations that, on that the largest break, that, ball of twine in the that world. Would, that would break down into atoms as well. Of course, right? so it's really flawed. It is, yeah. That yeah. is why I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> in 2019, the founder of the Apostrophe Protection Society. He sounds an interesting chap. He brought the organisation to a full stop. Oh. I bet he was called Nigel and he corrected everyone's grammar on Facebook. When he gave up, apparently, he declared their work was futile. Grammar has been chucked out the window, though, hasn't it? Yes. Me and my friend had a discussion about it the other day and it, and it, it, it hurts my head reading, mm. reading some people's posts, especially if it's a long, drawn-out one yeah. with a bit of a story with no, no grammar at all. It's a ramble in your head, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. I find that text and Facebook and stuff like that, my grammar goes at the window. But if I'm writing something, physically writing, mm-hmm. I put the grammar in. Put the full stops, punctuations. Or I do that then, but I don't do it in text. If I'm typing something, then obviously, you know, same as writing, it goes in. Yeah. But like talking to you lot, nah, grammar, no grammar. I don't know, I've seen your, your grammar, it's not great. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's well, readable, it, that's the main thing. Do you know what this guy said? Go on then. We and our many supporters worldwide have done our best, but the ignorance and laziness present in modern times have won. Wow. Mate, you're just a grammar Nazi, don't dress it up as a fucking... I was launching a crusade to protect the apostrophe. Fuck off with your apostrophes, is what I say. Stick them where the sun don't shine, you twat. Don't tell people how to write. Or do, teach them that, but don't, like, then inform... You know, if they want to write different as language evolves. It all evolves. Eventually, it's still got to. Like what Claire stop. says, it's I easier think you to do read. Do need a full it? stop here and there. It's more, yeah. It's it's. If anything, it's just courtesy towards you, the reader. Yeah. I never looked at it like that. Actually, maybe I'll try and improve my grammar. You don't really put out long, very long posts, so you know your you grammar. I don't actually I post anything. To be fair to exactly, I. so. It's neither here nor there. It's when people put out big stories and you're trying to read them and, you know. Yeah. Be nosy on Facebook at somebody's big story on Telford News or Telford Community Group. Probably bitching and moaning about some dog shit left somewhere or something. Probably. Or crackheads. Yeah. In 1961, Dr. Leonid Rodgazov was working in Antarctica when he developed appendicitis. That's a shitter. As he was the only medical professional on site, he had to perform his own appendectomy. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) Oh. And now most doctors who winter over in Antarctica are required to have their appendix removed beforehand. Interesting. God, you'd have had to do that with local anaesthetic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, or read it. Yeah, and then talk someone through it. <laughs> he did it himself. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> You'd make an incision below your rig cage, wouldn't you? And you know, yeah, you can see, can't you? So you can do it. Mm. Yeah, or you'd put a mirror above you, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. God, imagine. Though. I wouldn't I do, like to do it in a mirror. I've dyed my hair in the mirror, let alone taking a pa- <laughs> an appendix out mm. in the mirror. Fuck! <laughs> just move that that scalpel the wrong way yeah. in the mirror. And you know, oh, oh shit! I'm just taking my spleen out. <laughs> <laughs> Surely it was easier to just have two doctors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rather than having your appendix removed before you go over. Yeah, just, just have another doctor. The appendix is actually useful, isn't it? Only if you eat grass. No, 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 apparently. No, it, it, it's it's something that's sort of left over from... When we used to eat grass. No, 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 I reckon now that it contains, like, uh, an overflow of your of your gut bacteria. Right. So when you when you shit yourself, you have dysentery. Mm-hmm. You, you That's lethal, though. Well, well whatever. <laughs> diarrhea. Diarrhea. Then <laughs> you're losing all your gut bacteria. Yeah. It's going out as well. So your appendix then tops it up. Okay. Apparently, yeah. that's what they reckon now. So they think I, it is useful. I thought appendicitis is when it gets it can get inflamed, like a, inflamed, or a piece of food or piece of something that hasn't quite mm. digested properly stuck in there and then it becomes yeah 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 know. it can cause problems you've got to take it out it ain't life or death but it does have a function they reckon now yeah. you can die from appendicitis though can't you yeah, yeah, yeah you can ruptures yeah. which might be you know if it's gut acid like you say or gut bacteria you don't want that getting out of the body do you that's why it's contained in there but it'll it'll lead to sepsis won't it yeah Overall, oh, see, I always thought it was a thing. You know, the, the traditional thing was it was a leftover, like we said, from the caveman days when we'd eat grass. Mm. But we don't do that anymore, so the organs just not it's redundant, is it? No, but it's not because the, the yeah, no, yeah, but that's that's the new thing we said. Yeah. That's yeah. what we were taught. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's news to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. every day of school day. Yeah. Finish on this one. About forty percent of the ants in an ant colony. Are lazy and spend most of the time just sitting around. <laughs> then again, when you got like trillions of ants, it doesn't really matter, does it? Ah, <laughs> oh, they're all doing their little bit, I aren't they? A little bit makes a lot. I love the fact there's basically just stoner ants, isn't there? They just sat around going, "Yeah, man, <laughs> oh, we could go to work today." Nah. Just do a little bit of tunneling later, maybe. Yeah, a bit of tunneling later, maybe we'll go and fuck them red ants up after. <laughs> I think they go looking for fights. They might do. They might do. Yeah, ants could be dicks too. <laughs> just really dickhead ants. Ants <laughs> could be dicks too. It's going to be dickhead ants. Like the odd dickhead ant who's like, just goes around fucking everybody up for no reason. Thinks he's going to shag the queen one day. <laughs> but they've all got their own little personality, haven't they? Yeah. Haven't you seen Ant-Man? No, but I've seen Disney's ants. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I've seen it. I think Sylvester Stallone's in that movie, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell, <laughs> let's end the show. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Facebook at Cutting Through the Bull in the PTA, uh, YouTube at Apocalypse Bull. We're on most podcast sites, Spotify, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can usually find us. Thanks for listening. I'm Ben. Don't drink the favourite. Don't join a call. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears, guys.